Hello and welcome to Cut to Reveal, a podcast where we discuss the editing art form and all the hurdles that go with that career path. My name is Piotr and I'm here with my co-host Ricky, who has the new camera set up. Hello, hello. I'm super excited because now you can see me not on a webcam and I look way better. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about transitioning from a steady position, so you worked at a company for a while, into freelance. But before we get into that, we want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Riverside. Yeah, Riverside replaced Zoom for us. It records everything locally and then uploads it to the cloud. So the quality that you get from your webcam, uh, so what Ricky is getting from his camera setup right now, is what we get with Riverside. He doesn't have to record it, you know, internally in the camera. It's just stored to the computer disk, then uploaded to the cloud, to Riverside, where, where an editor can download the files and use in the edit. And that's something that we love it for. And we'll speak a little bit more about Riverside in the middle of the episode. But right now, let's get to the topic. So, you're working at your full-time job for however long, you get tired of it, and now you're like, I want to break out into freelance. And so the biggest question now is that you've been sitting in one place for so long, you haven't really been able to network aside from maybe the clients that you have, and now you're basically going out into the world like a bird leaving the nest. So what do you do? What's the first thing that you should do? Yeah, and actually, I just want to bring out the fact that I was in that situation. I used to work as a staff editor, and one day I just decided it's time to move on uh, to something else, to freelancing again. I have been freelancing before being a staff uh, worker, but uh, mm-hmm. but not for so long, and it wasn't full-time back then. But there was a point I said to myself, okay, that's enough. I got to work for my own, you know, bill ticket whatever you call it (laughs) yeah yeah so the first thing that i did and i think that anyone in that situation should do is reach out to any work relationship you had in the past yeah it can be and not only work relationship also friends like Mm -hmm. let them know that you are available that what 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 you are transitioning to what kind of projects you are looking for for example if you have a friend that works in marketing right there is a good chance that their agency will need a video editor at some point. Maybe you have a friend who who runs a YouTube channel. Maybe they will need some help with editing from time to time. Maybe you have a friend who, who, you know, who, I don't know, like does real movies, like tell him about your plans, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that stuff, um, reach out to people you know, let them know that you are available. Oh, 100%. The same thing happened to me, except it wasn't that I was like, I'm going to go freelance. It was just like, okay, everybody's getting fired. (laughs) We're all going freelance. But the first people that were cut were all the senior level people. And then later was all the junior level people, which at the time was myself. And even then, all the higher level people, they were all reaching out to clients that they had worked for within the the production house so all of our clients they're reaching out to and basically not so much as like give me work but like hey so you know i'm available so if you need freelance this is i'm the person that you reach out to and then basically once we all went out into the world when i became freelance it was the same thing i reached out to them or they actually reached out to me and said hey i know this guy he can edit because i've got all this work from these other clients but i was able to get introduced to them to those clients through the people that i worked with at the old 
production house, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of like informing people, letting people know that you're now on the street. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'm freelance, regardless of if they're in that industry or not. So all of that stuff is viable. All of that stuff is important to do. Especially at the beginning. Yeah. By the way, when was it? 2008? Or when was it? Because I'm wondering, you said I... that everyone was getting fired. So... Oh, no, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't 2008. It was past that. It was 2011. And mm-hmm. it wasn't specific to the, uh, to the financial bubble in the States. Mm-hmm. It was basically something different that we can talk about later. But basically, it was <laughs> sure. specific to the to the uh, to the company. Um, okay. so, Copy that. But uh, copy that. <laughs> okay, so that first outreach is the first step, but it's also just the beginning of you know learning how to network, which is which is one of the most important skills when going freelance, and something that we'll talk a little bit uh, more about in a moment. Uh, but now let's talk about like what's the next step and. What I've noticed, <laughs> what I've noticed, and you know, I've started a few brands uh, by this point, and I've no- I've noticed that many people, myself included, in in the beginning, focus on the wrong things in the first month of the existence of their business. They do what I call first business card approach, which is they think about their logo, how you know their brand will be named. Uh, what the website will look like, how will it, will it be designed, um, and all of these things that really do not bring them work mm-hmm. that shouldn't be the focus at the beginning. It should be something that you need to think about constantly, but only if you focus on correct things first. And as we said, networking is something that you have to focus on as, as quickly as possible. And then if you have some some time you know, left, then you focus on, you know, mm-hmm. what's the logo, what's the name of the brand, right. what's your reel, uh, and things like that, right? It's definitely something that should you should be thinking about at the same time, but your priority should definitely be on networking, getting those connections compared to just, we'll say, the cosmetic look of like, oh, this guy's got a great website, this guy's got a cool logo and whatnot. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, if anything, you'd want a business card with just your name on it and your phone number, an email so that you can be like, I have a card. Here's my information more so yeah. than like, here's a cool card that I've got. You know, all of this stuff is kind of working together almost at the same time as overwhelming as that sounds, but it's something that is in the back of your mind. You're like, okay, I'm reaching out to these connections. I need to showcase the stuff that I've done. So obviously you're going to need a reel or a website. Simply put, you could just create a reel and put it up on YouTube without creating an entire website. And within that, you know, thinking about that reel is what kind of editing do you want to be doing? Like if it's more of the same of what you were doing in the production house or whatever your per, your previous job, then you can just make it that way. And it'd be simply, if you want to start doing new stuff, then you kind of have to self-generate that things. But regardless, it's something that you got to think about, like, what do I want to be doing next? And, and then basically go from there. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, uh, I don't think you should actually put uh, reel on YouTube unless you have following there already. Uh, if you have people that will care about your reel, then yeah, put it on YouTube. But basically, YouTube is a social platform. If you send it to clients and it says like zero subscribers, it doesn't support your credibility anyway. I think it's much better to put this kind of stuff on like a video hosting platform. And YouTube is not a video hosting platform. It's It serves as a video hosting platform for many people, but it's 
not at its core. So Vimeo, Wistia would be would be much better choices in my opinion to to post your reel to. But that's just a side note. Sorry, Ricky. Continue. Well, <laughs> regardless, I, it's just the the idea of like you could simply put that up rather than building a website, yeah. a place where a client can go to look at your reel. That's the most important thing, regardless of what how they're viewing it or what their expectations of viewing that. But with that, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about how the reel is important and that you want to do something that stands out in your reel. Like this is you. This isn't just like the work that you do. It's also who you are. So you want to add a little bit of that flavor of yourself into there because um, yeah, that's, that's important. And you want to, you know, make it so that that it's almost like a promo or a commercial for yourself. So try to interject as much as you can in there so that people will be like, this guy's different. This is different than the other reels that I've seen. I mean, everything is within context. So if you're talking about you're reaching out to clients that are like bigger companies who get a lot of reels because they have a, uh, you know, a stable of freelancers, then it's going to be really important that you make your, your reel super unique. That's going to stand out compared to like, this woman I know down the street who needs a promo for her flower shop, like they're not going to have be looking at it in the same way um, as these corporate entities or, you know, bigger companies and stuff like that. So that's just something that should be kept in mind, but also is equally as important. We okay. talked more about the reels and stuff like that in episode seven, and that'll give you some ideas or shows you some examples of like how you can or like what people have done to make things more unique rather than just like, here's a montage of all the work that I've done. Yeah, and one last thing that I would add to it is that uh, it's good to know who you're after. Instead of like throwing a reel that like, you know, consists of all types of work, it's best if you know what is the type of work you want to do and then construct a reel with that in mind. Uh, so, you know, even if you made like thousands of wedding videos, but that's not your target, don't include wedding videos there, okay? So that's that that, that would be my approach at least. As, as you might know, I don't have a reel actually, but but if I were to do, <laughs> to do one, if I were to create one, uh, you know, I would focus on like what's the type of client I want to attract and uh, mm-hmm. didn't, and I wouldn't include stuff that, doesn't support my credibility in their eyes. Okay, Ricky, so uh, do we switch, do we, do we talk about skills that you will need to, to learn along the road? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. so free, freelancing, is a, yeah, freelancing is a different beast. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. I always say that it's not for the faint of heart. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> and you know, no one will actually teach you uh, how, to, how to freelance. There are some courses online and things like that. But most of it, you will have to just acquire as you go. There is no Mm -hmm. way around it. And um, the things that we'll mention, like I'm not claiming that I know all this stuff. I'm just aware that these are the things that I have to work on constantly, you know, to improve, to to get me to the place I want to be, right? Uh, Yeah. What was the first skill that comes to your mind, Freaky, when, when thinking about what's important for a freelance editor, for a freelance creator, actually? Uh, right off the bat, managing your time. Yeah. So how you will be productive, I mean, productive for the client, but productive for yourself so that you don't feel whatever stress of like trying to get things done in time. So the more efficient you can become, the much better you'll be able to be at your job and it'll be much more enjoyable in that sense. So yeah, 
I'm going to say managing your time is the first thing. Yeah, managing your time is a, is a big one. It's actually a little bit connected to what I teach in Editing Chef as well. We've got the lesson about managing, managing time there. And it's a constant struggle, to be honest. It's not like I have mastered it, uh, but, uh, but that's something that as a freelancer, you have to think about. You have to make a conscious decision to work on that skill. I think that's, that's the core mm -hmm. issue here. And there are tools that, you know, we discuss in the editing chef, uh, like, you know, like, a, like the Hemingway rule, for example, uh, like blocking your time and things like that, that can help you in the process to make things more predictable, to not over, overload yourself with work, and at the same time mm -hmm. to make things as productive, as efficient as possible, right? So yeah, yeah, managing your time is yeah. a is a big one that you have to constantly improve on. Um, oh, the no, one no. that comes to my yeah. mind is that that is like <laughs> maybe not super essential. It's not super difficult, but that's something you ha you didn't have to think about when you were a staff a staff worker. Is bookkeeping. You you will have to yeah. like you know think about what's the income, what's the outcome. Uh, yeah, what's yeah. the cash flow basically? And that's something you probably didn't have to think about as a staff member, right? Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a small <laughs> one, but also an important one when you're doing that transition. Ricky, how about the next one? Uh, the next one I would say probably would be negotiating. Um, so this is more on a personal level in regards to one-on-one -on -one with the client, whether it be face-to-face -face or most likely it'll be over email about, okay, what do I want? You know, what do you want to give me for this? What are my rates? You know, if, they, if the client's bigger, they might honor the rates that you have. And if they're not, then you got to figure out, okay, how can I do this job where I don't feel bad about myself or I don't feel like I'm being taken advantage of, but also still giving value to the client as well as to myself. Yeah. And in my observation at the beginning, people tend to charge less than they, less than they should because they feel like, oh, I, I, I'm just starting out, right? Mm -hmm. You usually sh should start, should charge a little bit more than you think um, you should. That's also just for the cash flow. I've seen uh, many beginning freelancers who just like you know their cash flow is just from from the, from the first to the first of the month, mm -hmm. right? And that's not sustainable. The burnout might come very quickly. And you know the funny thing is that instead of being super busy all the time working for a small rate, you could probably do the same amount of income working less for those clients that will be willing to pay you a little bit more. But obviously there is no shortcut here and there is no like a, like a silver bullet solution that I could provide, right? It's something that you will have to test in your niche, in your location and, you know, run with it, run with it, improve on it as you go. Yeah. And I just want to point out, like, especially for your location, uh -huh. <clears throat> and if you're working at a production house already, you're getting production house clients, they're going to know how much they pay. So usually by that, I mean, they pay the your company that you used to work for a certain amount of money for editing work. So whatever money that you're going to be asking for to do freelance stuff will probably be significantly less than what the production house that they you were working for was paying for editing. Yeah. Um, and also keep in mind that you want to get paid in a way that will enable you to live. And that by, and that, I mean, you want to be able to, to cover your bills and to be able to like feed yourself and to put a roof over your head. So keep that in mind. So don't, you know, 
I wouldn't say high ball yourself, but don't low ball yourself. Think about like, okay, what do I need to yeah. pay my bills? If What's I the minimum, have this rate, yeah, then I know exactly. And then, you know, and if a client pushes back on that, if they're a good client or a bad client, but in just in general, then you have like, well, this is what I need to be able to pay my bills. This is why I'm asking for that. And either they're like, okay, that's fine. Or they're like, nah. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. with that stuff is then that's when the negotiating comes in. That's when you got to yeah, start yeah, yeah. figuring stuff out. And that's something that, you know, you can find that stuff online, how to negotiate. But yeah. really, once you're in there and mixing it up like that, that's what, how you really learn. And, yeah, you know, it's yeah. going to be a case-to-case basis depending on a client. So, yeah, 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 negotiating is very important. Yeah, negotiating is like discussion. It's not bargaining. You don't want to bargain with a client. You don't want to be like, no, I, I will do it for 50 bucks more or something like that. That doesn't work. You have to mm-hmm. talk t- talk with them. You, you just have to like explain your position. Um, you know, ask them about, okay, uh, I don't know, what's, what's the amount you used to play for editing and things like that. Okay, that doesn't work for me because it will not allow me to pay my bills, as you said. And like just having discussion. This is negotiation, not just like throwing numbers in the yeah. air <laughs> between one another. It's forcing you to communicate with people. Yeah, exactly. And communication, what you just said, this is actually a next skill that is very important to constantly work on. Because like not being clear on what you need, mm-hmm. what the client means and things like that, that's the moment where you have to take that conversation and ask Basically, people need to learn how to ask <laughs> very often. That's the yeah. issue, in my opinion. You shouldn't guess. And usually if your client is like, you know, providing you feedback that is not clear to you, it's just because they are under the curse of knowledge syndrome, which is they know about something that, that they assume you should know as well, but they will mm-hmm. not mind if you just ask. Like they will probably be like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't assume uh, that you already know it. That's right. Let me explain what I mean, right? Yeah. That approach with like, let's communicate clearly. And whenever mm-hmm. there is some kind of, you know, something that needs to be clarified later, further, that's the approach that you as a freelancer should very much focus on. Right. You shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. And yeah. I, I would say that maybe uh, if this was number five of the skills you need to know, this would be 5A. And I think this ties in with that also is that, communication is important about honesty. So Uh don't pretend like you're, I know what you're talking about. And then something happens down the line where it all falls apart because you were too afraid (laughs) to ask uh, a question. You know, it's, you know, it's, it, it boils down to honesty and accountability because if you show that you're honest, like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me what's happening so that I know that I can do my job correctly. And even just like being like, I didn't know what was happening. And I did it and now it's all MF'd up, effed up and that's my own fault. Like accountability for like, okay, this is a mistake I made yeah. also plays into that communication thing, which very is very important. important because that goes back to, you know, the relationship building that you have with these um, clients or these new clients and whatever. And so that will strengthen your relationship with them and they'll know, okay, this guy's honest. I know what I'm getting into whenever I work with Piotr or Ricky or whoever or, you know. So that's something to also keep in mind is just like you communicating in a way comes from a place of honesty and it just makes things easier. I mean, that's also a part of the the first skill we talked about, managing your time, being efficient, like being honest and asking the right questions. That's all a part of efficiency. If you don't do that stuff, it's going to take you longer because then you're going to have to come back to square one and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me out here. What, what What are the questions that I need to be asking? 
yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry for talking about editing chef again, but you know that's why actually I have like <laughs> we have the lesson on on client feedback in there, like because it has to do with productivity. If you're not productive with the way you manage feedback, you you spend more more time on your work, and you will be less efficient, and you will build less trust with your client, and it all like compounds as a snowball effect, yeah. right? Effect. Yeah, and I really love what you said about like being accountable for your own mistakes as well. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you admit that, yes, I made a mistake, the sooner the conversation mm -hmm. can go in the productive direction <laughs> instead of just yeah. like, I don't know, finding who's guilty here, right? If you're guilty, just say it and yeah. the client will be glad that you did it, that you did. Like it will only, um, yeah, benefit you actually. So yeah, the next one is connected to communicating because that's a part of it. It's a sub-skill of communication, but the one that we have to bring out here as well, that is listening. If you're a good listener, mm -hmm. you will be a good communicator, most of the time at least. Knowing how to listen is just more important than knowing what to say. <laughs> if you're a good listener, mm -hmm. it goes goes a long way. Like I've, I've heard like people who teach communication saying that the most important skill in communication is listening. Right. If you're a good listener, your negotiating skills will be good as well. That's weird, but that's the way it works. I, I mean, it's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> also, part of listening is paying attention, which is obviously listening, but then also within maybe not so much the communication of it, but also paying attention to detail, which is usually why people are hiring you because you're a detail-oriented worker or whatever. Mm -hmm, like you mm -hmm. can see those things and you're paying attention to that. And that's also very important. A client doesn't want a forgetful worker. They want somebody who pays attention, hears what they're saying and can create whatever they're talking about. And, you know, mm. can be like, okay, well, what about this shot? Or what about that shot? And this doesn't, you know, this, we've talked about this before with, um, making movies when we've talked to editors mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. who do film and um, TV shows is that, you know, they go through all the footage so that they know what they have to work with. And so, you know, that is going to be um, when you're working with a client specifically, they're going to be like, Hey, what about this video? Or I remember this take about what about that and stuff. And you can be like, I remember that we can go here. Or you can be like, mm -hmm. that's totally different than what actually happened. This is the footage that we have. And you can basically be show that. And then you're proving that you are detail oriented because you can point to specific stuff within the footage or within whatever. But so that's another thing about listening and paying attention and communicating it. It's all very, very important. It's all very important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And note taking system is important as well. Because like for me, for example, if I don't put things on my to the list, I tend to forget. But that's something you have to like, you know, test yourself what works for you. <laughs> note taking system is really important. Yeah. Okay, any others, other skill you want to add, Ricky? I think kind of that works in with like the honesty. So maybe these last two ones are kind of meld into each other. And I would say patience and humility. Uh, patience because you're going to be dealing with a lot of, you might be dealing with a lot of big personalities. As we've talked about before on this podcast, it's like you're there to help them. You're not there to be the expert to tell them exactly what you can do and you know, you're the right way or the highway. So be patient with them because they may not, they may not know how to communicate what they're talking about, which is why you have to ask questions. Humility plays in because they're going to look at stuff that you've done and they might not like it. And depending on what type of personality they have, they might tell you in a very brash or harsh way that you might take personally. But don't take things personally 
because it's not usually about your work as a worker, like you do bad work. It's just like the thing that they did is not exactly what they have in their mind. So you're there to help them figure that out. So patience and humility, I think, are an important aspect or important skill to cultivate as a freelancer. Very good points. Very good points. I agree. And, you know, funny thing is that all of these skills that we, we, we've just mentioned, they are on top of you, of what you already need to know, right? So editors, uh, you know, it's quite obvious to anyone that they have to learn like technical skills, right? And that's something that is like the easiest one to learn how to, you know, run your software and things like that. Obviously, there are ways you can like right. still improve on that and it shouldn't be like forget about it. But uh, but th- that's something that you have to know uh, right away, right? And th- that's the easiest one to, to acquire, the skill that is the easiest to acquire, kind of. Another one that is also like going with you from that staff position uh, is like mm-hmm. creative editing. So whatever is in your editing arsenal, of your techniques, skills, uh, you know, sensitivity and things like that. These are the things that will transition to freelancing very easily, of course. And they will not like, you know, be affected in any way, actually, right? But all of these things that we've just mentioned are just, you know, added skills that you have to uh, think about consciously. If you if you do it, if you think about them consciously, then there is it's just a matter of time before you get good at them. Obviously, there is still a possibility to get to improve in all of them. And these are all like lifelong yeah. learning skills. <laughs> but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's constant improvement. Yeah. I mean, we've said it here. We just said it in this episode that, you know, we are not experts on this. This is stuff that we've done and we're doing it well enough that we can, can <laughs> we can support ourselves and we know how to do it. Yep. Um, but there's always room for improvement. You know, it's a constant battle. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that you shouldn't be overwhelmed with. Or, you know, when people are making that transition from staff to freelance, it's not something that they think of. And they might already have these skills because they utilize them in their staff position. Because when you're dealing with clients sitting right next to you, you have to have that communication. You have to be able to like talk with them and whatever. And so if you are good at that in that um, scenario, then whatever client that you're working with, you're creating a relationship with them that when you are not working staff and become a freelancer, that you can go back to and be like, hey, we had a good time working together. I want to let you know that I'm freelance now. So if you need somebody to do whatever, I'm out, I'm available. And you mm-hmm. know they'll appreciate it. And they're like, all right, great. I love working with you. So I'll come back. So all these skills that we talked about, we'll put a list of the things in the description of the episode so you can see what we talk about. A quick reference guide of whatever. Also, I wanted to add some extra tips <laughs> that maybe are not so straightforward, but I think are so important, are still important and relevant as well. I think that many freelancers uh, tend to go with what sticks on the wall. You know, they throw all their... You know, they they try to find clients. Once they do, they kind of like stick with them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to like also constantly, maybe like not constantly, but like from time to time, stop and think, what is actually the type of work I I want to do? Who are the clients that I want to work with? Mm -hmm. And try to be specific about it. Like try to find your ideal client, ideal work that you want to do. And then move towards that that goal, right? And that's something that I think like yeah. many many freelancers tend to forget to do. 
like mm-hmm. focus on what's what's the end goal you want to accomplish and the end goal can can change so it's not like you have to come up with the idea that will be like you know once you decide it it has to stay this way you can adjust your your end goal right but you should have it in this way mm-hmm. you, you're going in the right direction with the experience that you already have so for example yeah in the past i always thought uh, i want to work for big brands uh i want to be editor of like you know commercials of like i don't know toyota commercials for example right uh i don't know mm-hmm. mcdonald's things like that that was something that i thought i want to do but when i worked in that production house right video production house for a while uh, I discovered mm-hmm. that's not my world. I don't want to deal with agencies that like, you know, are middle stakeholders between me and the creator, director and things like that, right? And like having all these mm-hmm. like hierarchy of positions, it, it doesn't work for me. I don't want to deal with like people with huge egos and, you know, that's not for me. So, but but I didn't know it back then. So I constantly evaluate what's my end goal. And one last thing that I want to add to it is that if you are pitching to a client, it's good to have like a proof of con- proof of concept, <laughs> proof of work, right? So instead of like mm-hmm. just pitching to them, hey, I would like to edit your videos, <laughs> it's better to go with, hey, look at that. I just took a video that you made. I made a shorter version of it. I could produce things like that for you on a regular basis. How do you feel about it? Like... Yeah. Think about what's the problem of the client you want to you want to solve. If you can prove to them that mm-hmm. you can solve the problem, they will be much more likely to hire you uh, to work on some things for them. So that's that's like a mm-hmm. pro tip, I guess, uh, that takes time. <laughs> but I guess it's it's better to spend <laughs> time this way than to think about like what your logo should look like or you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or business card, uh, you know, what yeah. paper should it be on, and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Sim- simply put, you want to you want to show them what it is that you can do for them, not what they can do for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So keep that in mind. Is that this is that plays back into mil- humility? Is that you're coming with them, being like, here, I'm. This is the stuff that I can do for you. This is how I can improve your life and make things better for you. Don't yeah. you want to do this? This is great. I'm great, right? You think I'm great. <laughs> so just uh, keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, I, t- I hope that this helps with some of you out there. If you have any other questions about this stuff or want us to reiterate or explain it in a different way, you know, you can leave us a message on SpeakPipe or you can always email us at podcast at cuttothepoint.com um, or reach out to us on Instagram at cut to the at cut to reveal. Yeah. Oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> but that's the information. You understand what I'm saying out there. I, anyway. Okay, and now it's time for the game. If you don't know what the game is, uh, Ricky will explain in a moment. Uh, but before we do that, we just want to briefly mention Riverside again. Another thing that I love about it is that you have like four roles that you can invite people to the room. They can be invited as a host, as a guest as the audience member or as a producer. So for example, a producer is a role uh, for someone who can adjust like audio levels during the recording and so on, but he's not included in the recording. People can see him, but he's mm-hmm. not included in the recording, right? The audience member on the other hand is someone who um, can raise his hand if needed, but 
he's not seen by both host and guest during the recording. So their presence is not distracting to them. So for example, you can have a host, a guest having a conversation, you know, eye to eye, so to speak, right? With thousands of people mm -hmm. in the audience. So if you want to check Riverside and if it works for you, go to cuttothepoint.com for a slash Riverside. And there is actually 15% off coupon code associated with that link. So enjoy. Yeah. And now it's time for the game. Ricky, can you explain the rules of the game? <laughs> I can. So the game uh, is, it's like categories if you play categories. So basically we ask a question and then we, it's a simple answer. So name a movie with a lion in it. And Peter would say? Uh, lion King. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it's, it's as easy as that. Peter and I will give each other three different questions. Each question is a point. Um, if it's a one answer question, we get 10 seconds on the clock. If it's more than one um, answer question, then we'll get 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, and that's basically it. And then by the end, there'll be a winner. It'll be tied or there'll be, there's whatever. You understand yeah. how games work. So yeah. that's last time there was a tie. I just want to stress that fact because uh, I usually lose, but not last, last time. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't always lose. I'm just putting it out there in case I lose today because I feel like I will. <laughs> I still haven't eaten my second breakfast, so <laughs> I'm a little bit hungry. It may improve. It, it may have effect on my performance. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Um, let me put 10 seconds on the clock. Oh, and also these are all about movies and TV shows. All right. I got 10 seconds on the clock for this question. Peter, name the long-running TV series that Brian Cranston was in before Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, X-Files. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, Malcolm in the Middle is another one. Yes, Malcolm X -Files, in the Middle. X-Files, he was in X-Files as well. But not for very long, was he? No, he was like in, you know, in one episode, but it's a long-running series, so... Uh, it depends on how you, you know. Oh, that's true. Uh, I guess. Yeah, so. but Malcolm in the Middle is my second answer. I got it. I didn't die. I, I said Malcolm in the Middle as well. And X-Files. Yeah. All right. I'll give it to you. Good. One Good. I, I did remember <laughs> about Malcolm in the Middle as well. It just wasn't my first thought in, yeah, in my head. I asked the question incorrectly, so it opened up the field for Peter to get it correctly. Sure, sure. But I also got the Malcolm in the <laughs> Middle, didn't I? I mean, maybe you've got the luck and mm -hmm. you heard it later, but I said it while you were saying it as well. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm just like... You did. I mean, that was, that was past the 10 seconds, I'll just say, but... Oh my goodness, why is it so important for me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a fun one, actually. I need to give it to you. Okay, so are you ready? I'm ready. Ten, 10 seconds on the clock. So, okay. name a film that doesn't have a dialogue in at least five minutes at the beginning. That doesn't have a dialogue in the first five minutes? A Quiet Place? Probably so. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I've read, <laughs> I, but I've read the script. But I actually read the, scri the okay. script uh, without watching it. And I don't recall any dialogue there. So <laughs> it was all descriptive. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got it. I've given it to you. 
And as you can hear, this is kind of also going on the honor system because sometimes we've never seen the movies that we're talking about. So sure. if you know the correct answer and if we're wrong on anything, leave us a message. <laughs> let, let us know in the comments yeah. or email us. All right. This is for question two for Peter. This is a, this is, okay. I'm looking for three answers. Oh, so 30 <laughs> seconds on the clock. <laughs> All right. Peter, name three actors who played Batman. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> Christian Bale. Um, Hugh Led... What, what am I talking about? Uh, Pattison, Pattison, I can't, James Pattison, what's his name? Yep. I can't I'll remember. Give the, it to you. Yep, that's and, right. You're right. Uh, and, uh, come on, come on. You're so close. My head is empty. No, I will not. I, no, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> only, only two. Um, Please tell Michael me. Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Of course, Michael Keaton. My goodness, first Batman movies I've watched. Uh, my goodness. Val How Kilmer. <sighs> yeah, Val Clooney. Kilmer as well. I, I wanted to say George Clooney, but I wasn't sure. I wanted to say it. Yeah, George Clooney. And uh, Adam West. I would have accepted Adam. Adam West also played Batman. I don't know who Adam I think West that's is. It. Should I? Adam West is from should. the 60s. He's the original. Okay. Not the original, but he was from the TV show in the 60s. Okay. Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you three quarters of a point for that because three Thank would have you. been one, but three quarters. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I should have gotten it. I, and I seriously, I wanted to say George Clooney. I just uh -huh. was like, in my head, I was like, uh, really? No, probably not. But but yeah, yeah. I, I to be honest, I don't recall him that well in Batman. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why I doubt myself. But I don't know how I could forget about Michael Keaton because uh, these are the first Batman movies that I watched as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I don't know I, how I could forget about him. I honestly don't. It's the pressure it's, of 30 seconds. 30 yeah. seconds on the clock. Yeah, yeah. Everything goes out the window. Are you ready for the next one? All right, I'm ready. Okay, so let's go with the free movies type of question again. Okay, and okay. to be honest, I'm not so sure if it will be easy for you or not. So sorry if it's not. I'm just, I just don't, don't know if you watch this type of movies uh, or not. So name free. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, name free uh, Hayao Miyazaki films, animated films. Oh, um, Spirited Away. One. Uh... Princess Mononoke and How's Moving Castle. That's it. You've got it. Full point. <sighs> Definitely. Yeah. All correct. Ooh. Very well. Very well. Have you watched all of them? I have. actually own all of those. We are recording it mm -hmm. on uh, July 15th. But yesterday I've seen uh, Jim Cummings tweeting that it's like, I think, 25th. Uh, or 15th, I, oh my goodness, I can't remember, An anniversary of uh, Princess Mononake. Yeah, 15 at least. Is it 25? Isn't it, it too much? Yeah, 25 years ago. So on July 13, it was 25 years since Princess Mononoke saw the light of the, of the day. I love this film. I honestly do. It's fantastic. It's one yeah. of my favorite films ever.
Okay, anyway, uh, I'm ready for your question. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's 10 seconds. 10 seconds on the clock. One answer. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be hard, but I feel like you should know this. In what year did Chloe Zhao's Nomadland win the Oscar for Best Picture? Oh, that's a very good one. Uh, it was year 2021. I mean, yes. it was for, ding, for ding, 2020 ding, film, but it was in 2021, of course. Yeah. Yes, you got it. Thank you. Give the man Thank a prize. There's almost a set <laughs> of points. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> Does it right come with practice the or is it two... just my lucky day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably it's just a lucky, lucky day. It's Friday. It's a lucky day. That's got to be. So you're leading right now with two and three quarter points. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I haven't asked this type of question yet. Who edited Raging Bull? Oh my god. Um, oh, I know this. Francis Parker. No. Francis Parker? Raging Bull? Who edited French Raging Bull? Didn't she? Scorsese's film. Yeah. Scorsese's film. I don't know. Ah. Scorsese edited it? No. Who edited it? Thelma Schoonmaker. Oh, Thelma Schoonmaker. Why was I thinking Francis Parker? Duh. Okay. Another very talented female editor. I knew, I was thinking, I was getting them confused. Is it my first victory? This is your first victory. It's Take my a first lap. victory. <laughs> I will. People, you've heard, this is history out of the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Peter is running around. It's a small room, but still. (laughs) (laughs) So that in the history of the game, this is the first time Peter's won. So please send him congratulations, uh, either through SpeakPipe or through our email or on our Instagram and the comments in the comments section on YouTube. Um, So no, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. I liked your questions, all of them. Uh, I liked the one uh, about what actors played Batman. Uh, mm. It was very good, actually, because like it Thank gave you. a lot of options. It was a very good question. I loved it. If you have been a long-time listener of the game, you know that the first questions we asked were like, what movie has a robot in it? And what movie yeah. has a flying car? And now we're <laughs> running out of those kind of questions and we're kind of mixing it up with actual like actors and Oscar winners, which last yeah. the last time we played the game... Peter asked me about who won um, best film this past year, this year, 2022, yeah. Yeah. which I got wrong. And yeah. if you didn't know, it was um, Coda. Yeah, it was a surprise, I think. So it was like a winner that very few people expected. And that's probably why mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to recall. <laughs> anyway. We hope that you enjoyed this this episode of the game and of the podcast. Uh, as we've been repeating, if you have a question or a comment or ways for us to improve, or if you want to give us ideas, uh, you can send it to us uh, at SpeakPipe. There'll be a, a link in the description as well as our email, um, podcast at cuttothepoint.com. We're also on Instagram, and that's at cut to reveal. Um, and or leave us a comment in the in the YouTube comments. Um, so yeah, uh, that's all I've got. Peter, do you have anything you'd like to add before we? Get out of here? No, just that we will have a very exciting interview for you uh, in two weeks. So stay tuned for that. Until then, take care.
Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, or subscribe on whatever platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help other editors to discover the show and tell your friends. Also, if you have any questions or comments, leave us a message at SpeakPipe. There's a link in the description or email us at podcast at cuttothepoint.com. Thank you.